Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And I'd love to gift you my Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, The Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power. So you can have that life of your dreams and, and eh, help me co-create heaven on earth. I would love that. Uh, you can get that at sensitivesoulguide.com, all one word, sensitivesoulguide.com. And uh, you'll also be able to connect with our community, our light medicine community as well. So I love giving free gifts. and love to stay connected to you as my audience, especially if you're new as my audience. Now, today I have a very special guest. Her name is Barbara Ditlow, and we are going to be talking about human design. Now, human design was something that, you know, some of my younger um, uh, former uh, patients and, and friends, some of my young friends, I call them my kids because I didn't have, you know, uh, biological kids in this reality, but I call them my kids that I've mentored and, and taught over, over the years, and they're all into this stuff, right? What's your human design? What's your human design? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't know because I didn't know my date of birth. Uh, sorry, I didn't know my time of birth. I knew my date of birth, but not time of birth. And my mom couldn't remember. My aunt couldn't remember. And so I just didn't bother. And then my assistant, my chief integration officer, Tasha, said, you have to be a manifesting generator. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. She goes, okay, okay, okay. Give, me, give me your birth date, and, I, and I'll do it for you, right? I'll do a little quick, you know, thing to figure it out. And so she goes, do you have any idea what time you were born? I said, no, but I muscle tested it, and she, and she looked at the couple options, and she said, mm, yeah, I, I, I think you're this one, manifesting generator. That really sounds like you. So then she had... Uh, consulted with Barbara Ditlow, my guest today, and had a fantastic, amazing uh, experience. And then my coaches, Trey and Grace, did it, um, recommended Barbara as I was part of their program. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. To, to get to know who I am, even on a deeper level, a different perspective, I think this is going to be really helpful. And Barbara said, you don't actually, I mean, I don't need your time of birth for what we're going to do for the first session. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. So super excited. And uh, I can tell you through that whole session that I kept nodding my head and going, oh my gosh. It's like, yes, yes, this is me. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so helpful. Yes, yes. So I kept saying yes, like the whole way through. It was so amazing. I definitely wanted to share Barbara with our tribe, our light warrior tribe, and our light medicine tribe. So let me tell you a little bit about her, and then I'll welcome her formally. So Barbara is a certified human design analyst, coach, and teacher. She has studied energy and esoteric healing with practitioners from around the world. Her expertise includes feng shui, astrology, yoga, intuitive healing, art therapy, and cult interventions. I'm not really sure what that is, but we can ask her. Um, prior to her study of human design, she worked in sales and marketing at CBS Publishing in New York City and was president of MetaQuality Incorporated, an international consulting training company. She is currently a licensed real estate broker in Austin, Texas. So her training in human design and astrology, along with her diverse life experiences, enables her to skillfully coach her clients through the process of maximizing their life's potential. Yeah, like how many of us want to live our full potential, right? Like everybody. So as a gifted listener, adept at asking transformative questions, her clients experience personal satisfaction and success in their finances, relationships, and career. And you can find Barbara at humandesignconsultations.com. Again, humandesignconsultations.com. It's well worth your while. If you've never had a human design consultation, uh, this is the gal to go to. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much, Karen. It's, it's a real honor to be here with you. Oh, we are just so pleased to have you here, Barbara. Um, you have helped so many people, including my coaches, team members, um, and, and, and husband. <laughs> so really, really appreciative of the work that you do. Um, maybe you could start us off on like, wow, you've had a lot of training on all sorts of stuff. Like your certifications are like, you know, a page long, which I did not read. So <laughs> maybe you can share with us, how did you become a human design consultant? What was your journey? Well, <clears throat> It was interesting. I was raised as a Christian scientist. Now, the reason that's important is my mother was a Christian scientist. It was faith-based, but demonstration-based, and it was kind of non-dualistic. Anyone who knows Christian science, it's very different than other forms of Christianity because it, it says that it's certain frequencies. That, that's not the term that's used, but it's certain frequencies 
the duality of evil and good does not exist. Wow. So I was raised by healers. But then my father was a research chemist and patent attorney, and he worked for Allied Chemical. Then he worked in biological warfare and arms you know, later in life. So I was raised in a family where there are two polar opposites in how you view the world. And so I had more of a, let's say, more of a inkling or direction more toward my mother because it was a matriarchal family. Uh, and I had enormous respect for both my parents, but it created an internal conflict which began to challenge how I could see the world as an integrated whole rather than taking sides with either parents. So it was very challenging. So my life became split in terms of teaching. I was an art instructor at the college level and working with people intuitively and artistically. And then I also got into business, you know, with CBS and having my own consulting company and trying to understand how to bring information in a practical format so people could make money and pay the bills and have a family and feel empowered. So it was a dual track. It wasn't easy. It kind of got sticky at times. And then I happened to literally pick up Eckhart Tolle's book on uh, the power of now. And I had the unique gift of sponsoring him in New York because at the time I had the consulting company sponsoring transformational seminars for people, this is in person, who could help people improve their lives and their business. And I always felt that the business of being who you are is the foundation of the business that you do, that there is no separation. And yet in my generation, it was business is business and friendships are friendships. Mm-hmm. And business became used for behavior that was not acceptable within the family or friends. So all of these things raised existential questions like, what is this that we're in? And when I met Eckhart Tolle, what really surprised me, this was in 2000, right after The Power of Now came out. When I met him in New York and some of his students came, it was the first time in my life that I understood what enlightenment of a master meant because his eyes were on fire. They were sparkling. I thought, what is it with his eyes? I mean, I was Uh That's great. But there was a current coming off of him that I'd never experienced before. And I realized that there was something about frequencies that was beginning to point me in the direction that were not solid form, that were conditioned to see people in sexual terms, racial terms, mm-hmm. uh, you know, terms, all of these things which limit our experience, not only of ourselves, but of other people. So I started having the gift of being able to work directly with Eckhart and went to many of his workshops for three years and simultaneously I was invited to go to a seminar where Ra, Uruhu, who was the person who received the revelation of human design, I was able to work with him. Now, he was a dualist, good and evil, and that the universe was not a universe, it was a biverse. So I thought, this is perfect. And they were both born in 1948, the same year I was born. So from an astrological view, we had transpersonal planets and social planets were in a similar position. So they spoke to me because... I was imprinted in a similar way. So I worked with them simultaneously. One was a non-dualist, one the dualist. And I said, this is like new parents. You know, let's see. Let's see where the truth is. And I remember asking Eckhart, should I give up astrology? You know, you're a non-dualist. And he said something very important, which allowed me to continue in this way, I would say, with a greater awareness of the importance for me to continue rather than throw one, you know, throw one person out and just follow, you know, another direction. And what he had, uh, let's say, illuminated to me was the fact that if you look at a person's, let's say, makeup, that were all expressions of larger energy movements at work. So what's personal in that? So if you're, if, and I thought, my God, if I'm just the expression and form of other huge energy movements, then why am I getting so upset about things? I mean, it kind of depersonalized my life in a way that I was deciding to not be a victim, not feel like, oh, what happened to me or this or that. I said, you know, from a certain perspective, there's a certain predetermination here. So maybe there's a 
possibility that if I understand a certain predetermination, gifts, propensities, and things like that, that might be a way to liberate what's predetermined in me so I can understand my life from a different perspective than, you know, thinking I, I chose my parents, I created this, and many of the ideas that, that feed the uh, therapeutic community. Mm. So I then began to ponder, because working with these two teachers, boy, did they have incredible energy. And I thought, hmm, of all the lives that, I, that, that everybody's living, I got mine. So what would be most meaningful in my life if I'm dealing with the question of fate versus free will? And so, you know, in quantum physics, because my father was a chemist and my best friend was a, was a physicist, they'd always be talking in the 80s it came out, you know, is light a particle or is light a wave? Mm-hmm. And you, you think in normal society, if you're this, you're that. If you're left, you can't be right. If you've got this, then you can't get <laughs> But, and, and that's to break, separate people so someone can maintain power over them. Mm-hmm. But we know in physics that one is true and the other is also true. Mm-hmm. So it creates the paradox, which is two simultaneous truths that contradict each other. So you have to get to a higher perspective to see how, they're this, how they work together. So you could say, it, it can be my fate. You know, and I have a very difficult astrological chart. I mean, 22 squares, anyone who's in astrology, 22 squares are a little difficult. So I thought, okay, it's my fate to face certain questions, certain issues, certain possibilities. I can't escape it. And, you know, synchronicity, uh, the pulse. I think uh, Leonard came out with a book in the 80s and he talked about synchronicity. You know, things don't happen by chance, but they're synchronous. So I thought, whoa, if I can't escape my fate because the laws of synchronicity, my imprint and everything guarantee I'm going to meet certain people who can break my heart, screw my life, you know, <laughs> obstruct my purpose. Well, then my free will can come into the mix, and it's my attitude. How am I going to respond? So I realized that my search for conscious awareness was to give me the self-awareness for self-preservation. You know, I wasn't going to slip into these karmic patterns that would set me up as victimized and all this because I had had several marriages, which already showed that I wasn't very good (laughs) in choosing partners. So I realized (laughs) I had certain patterns in my lifetime that I had to break out of. And mm. so I got into human design because it seemed to solve the problem of liberating this unique being, this imprint, from karmic connections. And so the only way I could do that is was in direct conflict with many of the modalities I had studied. It was human design said, and Eckhart said the same thing. He said, you can't solve the problems of the mind with the mind. He wasn't a fan of Zen by any means. Some people mm. can do it, but he said, the only way in human design premise, foundation of human design, the only way that you can liberate the uniqueness which differentiates you from anyone else is to move away from the mind. There's no way that you can live out your potential of life if your mind is making the decisions. Now, your mind can express your uniqueness. We call that the outer authority. But mm-hmm. when you make a decision, it's got to be with a particular decision-making uh, methodology that people have. And so, you know, when, we, when you were sharing your experience of human design, I ran your chart for 24 hours to see how important is the time. And the one thing that stood out was no matter what the time, you were going to be a manifesting generator, <laughs> no matter what. And that okay. meant you had, you had tremendous energy to give people direction in a creative way. But it also meant that you would make decisions through gut, your gut response. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason you would make the decisions through the gut response is not to say, I'm not going to research, I'm not going to study, I'm not going to learn. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that when all of that information is synthesized or you meditate on it, or you, you put it together, your your direction or your action or the decision you make has to be through your gut response. Why? Because 70% of the people are what we call generators. It means they have the stamina to do work, but it means that their, you could say, the gut, the area around the navel has the capacity 
to pick up vibrational frequencies that can align you with the correct action at the correct time so you can fulfill your purpose. And so if you make it with your mind, then you're cut off from the emergence of this unique life force. And then you tap your whole life tapping on other people's doors and say, what do you think? What should I do? What do I want to do here? And so, so it ends up, it becomes a great search. You know, the heroine or hero's journey, it becomes fabulous. Uh, it's really a game of frequencies. You know, there was an artist, I, I think Shakti Gawain, maybe her, but in the 80s she came out with a book called uh, uh, Ecstasy is a New Frequency. And mm, so we I don't know that one. Yeah, it was, it was a seminal book in the 80s when much of this information was beginning to be published. Mm-hmm. And this is when you could say the new, the, the new beginning or the foundation of the New Age movement. It started in the 60s, but really the 80s when the publishing got into it. It, it was really, it gained speed because the baby boomers were coming of age and they, you know, they want to check out what's happening in their lives. Right. So clearly what this human design is, Aligning your frequency so it makes your life easier. Basically, it makes your life easier. And at a very mystical level, human design is about finding your note. So your particular note, your particular frequency can be expressed in the world. And out of that, you can experience the satisfaction, the self-acceptance, the success, whatever is specific to your type of design, you'll experience it. And the result of that, you can live out your true nature and your vitality, your spirit, your mental acuity, your joie de vivre, your love of life is enhanced. And the aging process, I'm going to say it's not reversed biologically. You know, our bodies are designed to deteriorate. It's just the way it is. Unless, of course, you're stem cell and all this other stuff. But there's a limitation in our form. But when you begin to live your life, there's a vitality which is ageless. Yes. And that's how, it's a long answer to the question, but, but it, it. It, became, it became a real challenge for me because I was a hot mess. I was really mixed up. You know, I just didn't know what was coming or going. And as soon as I met these two people, everything turned around. So I stayed doing real estate, but then I got deeper and deeper in my spare time you know, read as much as I could and learned as much as I could because I could see a practical, noticeable change in my life. And bottom line, I felt more empowered and more capable of doing what I love doing. Mm, that is beautiful. Yes, and, and I've, I can totally see that empowerment piece. I love what you were talking about earlier around, you know, that duality versus, or what we consider duality versus unity um, (laughs) consciousness and how you've kind of blended, like if you will, awarenesses to something that works. Can you give us a little background on like the guy that created human design? Like, you know, I I don't know too much about him or how he got (laughs) the information. Uh, Robert Krakauer was his um, <clears throat> birth name, and he was a businessman who had a marketing agency, uh, a thriving business in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then he went through an experience where around, I think it was 38 to 40, um, he, or before that, he just got on a plane and left everything behind, not really Whoa. knowing why. But in Amsterdam, and then through a series of events, ended up in Ibiza, Spain. Now, he went through a profound deconditioning experience, kind of living off the land, not being in social or business structures for quite a while, and he did start pursuing consciousness in, uh, you could say, using, let's say, mind enhancers, <laughs> put it that way. Okay, and okay, would, yeah acid, ketamine, things like that. You know, exploring chemistry does to change the way you integrate information or the way you pick up information from the consciousness field. So it ended up that in January of 1987, there's a supernova that exploded. I think it was was in South America. Sanduliac, I think, was the name of the uh, supernova. It exploded. 
Now, human design is based on the fact that we're programmed by neutrinos, which are subatomic particles, and they operate right under the speed of light. And these neutrinos, as they are disseminated from the sun, they move through all the planets, and depending on where the planets are located in our solar system, and in our solar system, there are 12 constellations that these planets travel through. You you could say like 12 states that they travel through. And depending on the position of those planets, the information is altered. So let's say if the information goes through Mercury, it's going to deal with communication and how uh, you process ideas. If it goes through Saturn, it's going to deal with structures, limitation, uh, time, things like that. So in January, which was the sign of Capricorn, um, Ra was in what we call a Rowena, and his story is online. You can go to jovianarchive.com and read about his story. And online there's a, there's a uh, movie called The Encounter and Ra Uruhu, and it was a series of eight days where a vibration which resonated with him, the voice, gave him information that took him 25 years to unpack through teaching. Now, mm. early, when, when he would say, well, it's kind of strange for people to receive or believe that I got this from a voice, but given where we are right now, and we're talking about sinking the body through silicon chips or chips to <laughs> I mind, he actually had a crystal implanted in his body, in his ear, and that crystal, you know, you could say was uh, loaded with a lot of information. Similar, like you can get a zip form, and then you open uh, and you zip file. Right, right. Real estate. When I said zip form, let's say you can get a zip file, and you lo- open it up, and you can see it's got to unpack and all this information, and then you've got to read it and whatever. <clears throat> you could almost parallel his experience to that, and. I had the good fortune of studying directly with him from 2002 until he passed, and I noticed how the information changed. So you can see the earlier students, they had a certain bit of information, and then toward later there was a real acceleration of the integration of all the information that he had. It's similar to a child. You talk to a three-year-old, and they kind of got their way, you know, their unique personality expressing itself. But, you know, 20 years later, that unique personality has more nuances, more education, more integration, hopefully, of their life experiences. And I found his teaching being that way. I remember sitting in some classes and saying, hold on, let me see, I haven't integrated what you just said last week. (laughs) (laughs) But there was was a, I'm going to say this, there was a power in what he was teaching because every time I repeated it and applied it, I could say, this works. This works. Mm. And so he had a period of eight days in early January, I think it was 1st to the 8th or the 3rd to the 11th, where this information came to him. And then he was told at that time he was a clarion and he was to bring this information out into the world to help children. But there was also a caveat here, to help children so parents understood that when they had children, children are not a tabula rasa. They are, you know, empty slate. They are, they are programmed with certain unique characteristics. Mm. And if can can mentor to the characteristics of a child and their strengths, it can reduce a lot of the trauma and a lot of the problems, primarily for the parents because they can get lost in battles of will and, you know, wanting their children to be liked by other people. But, you know, if you don't know... If you have an orchid and you put it out in the Texas sun, good luck. <laughs> you know, orchid has to be in a little hothouse protected. Similar right. to, you look at, you know, Texas, Texas fauna and flora, they adapt to the extreme heat, searing heat. And you up in Vermont, you have a whole different kind of flora and fauna. And, you know, children, some of them are hothouse babies. They have Uh to be protected. And when you try to desensitize and force them, it becomes a problem for the parents and the child. So this was the goal, is to give a way for parents to truly see their children, 
what's invisible through the five senses, but visible through this. But it also gives all of us the ability to make decisions because we're moving into a huge change in 2027 where you could say the consciousness field that we've uh, grown and developed in over the past 400 years is switching. The frequency is changing. We're feeling it now because everybody is noticing things are changing and logic and reason doesn't seem to be at the center of it. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a twofold purpose here to help children become to fulfill their potential, to help parents, but also to help even adults to navigate through this very difficult time that we're in. So oh, that's Ra, great. Ra was a spokesperson on that, and he was a, a, a double rat. He was an Aries and as an astrologer. I did his astrology design. I said, oh, my God, this guy was wired for this. Now, what's interesting, we look at, you know, the program that imprints us. It comes from the neutrino through the, uh, through the planets. It was interesting when I had my first reading with Rob, he said, oh, I was born on his projected birth date. So I was born about two, three weeks after Rob was born. Now, what was interesting is he said to me, I'm a projector. I'm a, a self-projected projector. He is, I mean, an incredible uh, manifester. And he said something interesting to me. He said, it's curious that I'm doing your reading because he said the information could never have come through me had I had your design because his physical body was designed to accept the intensity of this frequency and you could almost say this trauma that he had to go through to take this information in. My body couldn't oh. do it. Really? And so it's, yeah. So it's interesting. We have a seduction in society that says, it, you've got to be this way in order to be successful, or you've got to be this. Mm-hmm. And at the basis of human design is in the program of differentiation, everybody is valuable, but everybody's unique. We all have different jobs. And what Ra could experience, it would have killed me. And in fact, there was another person who was very close to this vibrational information source that Rob was able to take in his body. And this person took in part of it but ended up in a mental institution. Oh, no. Not found the information. It's similar to don't put your finger in an active light socket. (laughs) And we know some people, the Indians knew that some people hit by lightning are killed. Other people hit by lightning become these warriors that can really work with vibrational frequencies and healers. And I actually had a friend, uh, and she's in Tampa. She was hit by lightning on a golf course. And she went to the, there was a heart lab at Yale University, and they were studying Mm -hmm. her because she was working with people because she had a certain frequency in her hands that seemed to create a definite change in a person's uh, let's say, frequency when they were having difficult heart problems or things like that. Ooh. So it just shows that some of us can take shock and some of us are dead. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, you know, can you overview, like, the the different types of human design and then how does one figure yeah. out what they are? Okay. What you are is determined by the time, the place, and the location of birth. And there are four types, and in a way, they come in a business hierarchy. The manifester is the person who can initiate a business. The projector is a type that can set the systems up and organize it and guide people in it. And the workers are the generators. They're the ones that have the energy to get the work done, and the reflectors are the ones that can evaluate and see what works and what doesn't. That's just mm. from a business point of view. Now, all of the four types are based on their aura. There seems to be a misunderstanding. Some of the teachers out there say there are five types. There are four types. Four days before Rob passed, a friend of mine, and we both sent him an email, and we said, could you please clarify, are there four or five types? He said, four types, because they're based on the aura. So let's start with the manifestor. The manifestor has a closed aura, and it's very repelling. Now, the reason that aura is closed and repelling is because manifestors are designed to initiate 
something and get things done and not to be influenced by other people. Oh. Now we know we know that in most businesses in the in this country, eight uh, percent of them survive after five years. Now it's hmm. interesting. Eight percent of the uh, let's say of the the types are manifestors. Just eight percent. And what a manifest is have a closed repelling aura. They're designed to be more influenced by the movement of the planets and the stars, constellation beyond our universe. And so the one thing that a manifester has to learn is that they have to inform other people before they take action. Mm. This unique aura that surrounds and extends outward from each person is very different, different with every type. And the field of energy we call it aura is a powerful form of nonverbal communication. It happens all the time. And people can feel other people through the aura. So the manifestor's aura provokes challenge from other people. Oh. It basically says, get out of the way, I'm moving through. Okay? Oh, my gosh. Too it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that they can't be warm and open with people that they love, but it means that they have to inform people that they're going to act. And here's the key. You cannot tell a manifestor or ask questions. Let me give you an example. A manifestor always has to inform and initiate action. So they're always going to deal with rejection. You're going to go out and say, hey, would you like to go out to this dance? And the woman could say no or yes. So it's 50-50 because manifestors are designed to take action and do what they decide to do. And they have to inform others or else they're going to meet resistance. And they really want to attract the right people. So I was working with a couple. She was a manifestor. He was a generator. And I said, you know, if you really want the chemistry of a manifester to be at peace because their key is they can get very angry or depressed and they really just want to be at peace with their life. Mm. So the, the signpost, if something's wrong, is this anger. And manifestors never get rid of the anger. The anger is something that gives them their power. They just have to reduce the opportunities where they don't get angry because Unless they inform, most likely they're going to get angry and depressed. And I was raised with four manifestors, so I know this one. And the key for a manifestor is to inform people. And other people have to inform the manifestor. So, so with my sister, I'm not going to say, would you like to go to the show, to the movies with me on Friday? That's a question. There's something about the manifestor chemistry that doesn't like that. Instead, I say, I'm going to the movies Friday. I'd be delighted if you would join me. Not a question there. It's a statement wow. and form. Very different. But we have to understand that we are, what do they say? The voice is only part of it. It's not the words, it's the tone. So when we're speaking, we're setting up a flow of electromagnetic energy that impacts the manifestor in a way. It's sort of like, don't mess with my business. Don't ask me a question. <laughs> inform me. Just inform me. So in a nutshell, that's the manifestor. I can't having, remember what my husband is. <laughs> I just thought of it. Uh, yeah. Most, probably, most likely generator, generator is the most common. Mm, um, okay. But with, you could say with a generator, which is your type, this is where the confusion comes in. People will say, there are two types. There's the, there are five types. And if there's a manifesting generator is a type and a generator is a type. No, they're both generators. Manifestor, manifesting generators are a subtype of the generators, but they both have the same aura. Wow. The aura is fun. It envelops people. It's designed to pull whatever they need to them. It's going to pull, it's going to pull, it's going to pull. So all they have to do is respond. Now, if they're emotional, there's also a time frame that, that, that's different, but in the four types, the basic is they, they're here to respond. Now, the difference is that the manifesting generators are impatient they're designed to be impatient. Yeah. Because <laughs> they want to go out and initiate right away. Yep. And the key thing is that gut response, let's say, harmonizes them to a higher ordering of events that the mind can't comprehend. Mm. And it's just kind of that gut feeling or that gut response that says, ah, this is not a denial, it's a delay because the timing for this engagement is not quite yet, so just wait before you initiate. 
have a good friend who's a manifesting generator. And I'll always say, do you experience this in patients? She said, absolutely. She said, I'm known to leap tall buildings in one leap and then get impaled on the uh, <laughs> seat. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh my goodness. At least my staff don't... know what, what they're dealing with. Oh. So <laughs> when yeah. do you want it done? Oh you mean yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell people in, in I will tell people the people that really get out there that are charismatic, that have the potential to be the the best coaches, the staying power, the charisma, they're going to be the manifesting generators. It's just the way it is. It's mm. just the way it is. Why? Because you're connected to a consistent reserve of energy that gives you the stamina plus the programming. You've got to get out there and make your contribution in a way that's based on action and energy. Action and energy, okay. A a typical manifesting generator, but they're two different energy types, manifesting generator Eckhart Tolle, manifesting generator Anthony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Very different energy. But both of them have incredible schedules to be in front of people inspiring them. Ah, okay. And, and the okay. generators are, so the manifesting generator is a subset of generators. Yes. Now the generators, they respond too, but their need to initiate is, is not as wired into them as a manifesting generator. So okay. usually when there is a marriage between a generator and a manifesting generator, the generator says, I'm getting exhausted by my partner. Because <laughs> they always want to go out and do, do, do. I just want to sit back. Mm. And the generators tell them, you know, they workers, they're, they're workers, they workers, they hum. And they, they have an open, enveloping presence, just like the manifesting generators. And they have an aura which pulls people and the opportunities to them. But they both have the same signpost. And they both have the same signature. The signpost is frustration, okay. and the signature is being satisfied with their efforts. So frustration for a generator is important. You never get rid of frustration. But what it means is it's a fork in the road. If you make decisions with your mind because you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you have not run it by the gut, mm-hmm. what happens is you'll get into something, and the frequency is off, and the energy will be siphoned off, and you want to quit. Mm. If you if your gut says go into something, you could face enormous obstacles. But you're turbocharged now because Seiko said this is where you have to go to fulfill your purpose. And what you do is you begin to ascend different levels of mastery. And the frustration just helps you to break through rather than to quit. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you very much. You pretty much just... <laughs> explained a lot. Uh, I know you told me this before, but I just hearing it again is just, yeah, I'm just nodding my head again like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. I love generators. I absolutely have so much respect for them. I'm not a generator, but when I'm around generators and they love what they're doing, oh my gosh, the environment is wonderful. It is so amazing. And when I'm around generators that feel stuck, enslaved, burdened, oh boy, you can feel it's the energy is contracted. Mm. It's heavy. It's it's almost heading toward a lifeless, uninspired world. Okay. Wow. And wow. It, and, and when you're around generators that love what they do, it's very different. It's very different. Um. So go to a communist country where people are obligated to have a certain role and do certain things versus an environment where people can be entrepreneurial and share ideas and work, work, work. It's very different. Mm-hmm. See, we live in the electromagnetic. We live in a world of frequencies. And many people talk about the fifth dimension. They want to get up. You know, my frequency, I want to be in the fifth dimension. Well, you don't do that mentally. Right. You do that through decisions, which liberate you from constricted uh, you know, situations. And it, it happens one decision after another. Because you're not in these karmic loops. I would say it's full speed ahead into a cul-de-sac. A lot of people do that. Or they go down the river. We're going to go down the river and they they get caught in an eddy. And they just go in circles. They can't make any more progress. Because the mind is designed to create the problem, 
you react to it, and the mind says, I've got the solution for you, and it just recreates the problem at another level. Yeah, yeah, that that is so, so challenging uh, for people, these <laughs> these constant uh, patterns, you know, repetitive yeah. patterns. Um, yeah. I have to say, I really enjoy being a manifesting generator. <laughs> I have so much fun. Yes. I have so yes, much fun. You do, but you look at how enthusiastic, and you've done the podcast, you're sharing it with people, you've written a book, you have a company. This is energy. This is passion. You know, this is your desire to go out there and help people navigate their way through, you know, uncertainty. And you have the energy to do it. Yeah, and, and, and understanding my profile is really helpful to be really more empathetic and um, supportive of people who aren't my profile. Uh, because they look at me sometimes and they're like, oh my God, you exhaust me just looking at what you're doing, like looking at your schedule. I'm like, really? And I'm like, you know, and even my husband, he's like, um, you really should take a break, right? And I'm like, oh, but I'm really into this website I want to make, right? <laughs> and, and I'll just keep going. And I know, I mean, I could be more balanced for sure. Uh, however, I just have so much energy for work. Um, mm-hmm. that I literally have to schedule not work because <laughs> I have fun. I, I really love what I do, so I have so much fun. And uh, you, you, know, you, you express that perfectly, Karen, because you said you love what you do, and that is what I call that's the fountain of youth. And mm-hmm. as a manifesting generator, you're, you're happiest when you're busy. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> love creating. So, so, I love, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I, I have this game with myself. When I see coaches or people out there, I'll say, I think they're a manifesting generator, <laughs> you know, because they have, they have a gift of energy. Results follow the energy. It's, you know, it's, and so the role of a manifesting generator is to, you know, patience is great virtue. You yes. know, understanding that wait for that gut response because that will provide the direction. And then go, go do your thing you know, incredible well of stamina. But then we have this other type, which is the projector. Now, I can't tell you how many projectors, when they find out that they're projectors, they feel like a funeral dirge has just been played for them. (laughs) (laughs) What percentage of people are projectors? 20%. 20%. And it's a kind of a new type that's come into existence, uh, you know, in the past couple hundred years. And where their aura is very different is it's focused, it's absorbing, it does best on one-on-one, and they mm-hmm. don't have consistent energy. Okay. And they need to be recognized by other people. Now, as a result, emotional projectors can be at the most difficulties in self-acceptance, the most difficulties in deprogramming or deconditioning themselves from the influence of other people, and they have to be recognized and invited in to participate. So even parents that have projector children, I'll always say, invite them. Say, which dinner time would love to please come to the table, you know, formally acknowledging that they're wanted at the table. Mm. Now, the projector has an open aura, but it's not enveloping and pulling people. It's focused outward and wants to figure out who, who are you. So they become fabulous therapists, guides, sometimes accountants, um, because they're designed for that way. Now, what's interesting is to get a projector to accept that it's okay being a projector is probably the biggest hurdle that they have to go through. What I don't understand. Why do they not want to be a projector? Because we're in a society that's a manifesting generator society. Oh, I see, I see. Gotcha, gotcha. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's right. Like everyone's applauding. Like, oh my gosh, look how much work you got done. Oh my gosh, you won this award. Oh my gosh, you have, you know, like three number one international bestsellers all in the same year, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just love seeing how much people can accomplish. And then then what happens? See, human design is to say, step out of the arena of comparative thought. And step into the journey of uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And it's very when you see bombarded, you know, and because I say, great, let, let the manifesting generators do all the discoveries and whatever, and then I can pick and choose. It's like having a, 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 a kitchen filled with the best chefs with all this energy. They put all the food out. I didn't have to do it. 
I just go <laughs> smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, and I say, ah, this is the best of this. This is the best of that because projectors are designed to study and take in information in master systems. Mm. And because we have limited supply of energy, we're not designed to go, 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 go. We guide others to go, 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 go. Okay. So, so we're the guides. And a lot of people want that attention because projectors are designed to say, please recognize me, please recognize me. But they're to be recognized for their guidance, not to be up on stage and be Anthony Robbins or you know Karen Conn or anything like that. They have to be aware of the fact they do best one-on-one because when aura connects to another person, they really can feel them, see them. They, they pick up information. In a large group, they don't have that ability. They can feel overwhelmed. Oh, okay, okay. Where, whereas you can take it in, Karen. You can, it's like, give me more. I love this energy. I'm going to go, 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 go. Right. I can so, tran- you know, right? if it transmute energy, I can take. Yeah, that's why I, when I do figure skating and uh, there's a bigger crowd, I skate better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tell me, isn't figure skating physically demanding? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a kid, I'd never say, you know, I was an athlete at all. I was, like, really nerdy and, you know, not that athletic. But um, I've come to be different and shift and change, and so now I can say, I am an athlete <laughs> and really enjoy that. Yes, and and if I were looking at students, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, little kids, three and five year olds, I'd look at types. I'd say manifesting generators are the ones that are going to have the greatest endurance. Now people can say, oh, how can you say that? Everybody is, everybody's equal. We want to engineer this outcome that everybody can have the opportunity. Yes, everyone should have the opportunity, but they're going to be people that are going to rise above because of their energy, and see projectors. The beauty of a projector, I love being a projector, is our dangers, we can burn ourselves out, but we can see the bigger picture. We can understand the gifts and talents of others and put them in that direction. Mm. We are designed to master systems. And because we have limited energy, we have to be more discerning of who we can help and who we can't. And Mm. the projectors are the guides. Now, evaluators are really different. The evaluators are, let's say, their people, you could say, that do best in a group, and they are people that can pick up who is the best, let's say, best person for this or that, because they can determine who's different, who's different than someone else. So they have a real knack, a real gift for being at the center of any group. They're lunar. They're not solar. So one in a hundred are reflectors. Just one in a hundred. Wow, one in a hundred? That's it? That's it. One in a hundred people are reflectors. So they're they're, they're very rare, but they're very good at monitoring the condition of a business, a community, but they can't be rushed or hurried. Mm. They have this ability in a group. It's like they average out the group. They can see what's unique and different in the group, and they can point out what maybe someone's overlooked. That what what we know reflectors for is canaries in the coal mine. Okay. They sense what other people cannot sense, and they're kind of the judges of humanity. They can kind of say this is not okay. This is they objectively discern, you know, what's really going on in the world. But there's nothing consistent about the reflector, their lives the way they interact with other people, their sleep, totally fluctuates through the lunar cycle. So the most important thing for a reflector is where they are, the place. And the next thing is who's in their space. And they can't be forced to make a decision, a major decision, until they've gone through the lunar cycle 28 days. So you can see three types are solar, one type is lunar. And let's say if a reflector is says, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be a top coach and travel all over the world, well, they may be able to for a while as part of their experience, but it's not going to make them have a camper. Mm, Eventually, so human design does not say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. It points to where there's less resistance in your Mm -hmm. life. It points to what you're really good at, and it points to how best engage your energy in any kind of pursuit. 
Okay, so the reflector's energy, like if you were to put the four on a scale, the the generators mm-hmm. are the, the most energetic, right? So who, who would be next? Yes. Well, see, we're in an amplifica- amplification field. I would say the consistent energy is the generators. Okay. When you get to the manifestor, the reflector and the projector, they don't have consistent energy, so they don't have the work stamp. Oh, okay. They so all three of the other profiles don't have the yeah. Okay. Nope. And the and the one thing about a reflector is that they're more aloof. You know, their aura is resistant and samples people, but they're not so conditioned like projectors. Projectors are the ones that I mean, when you're with a projector, they just want to have you for lunch. They want to know everything about you, and they hmm. can be very conditioned. And that's why I would say projectors. Um, can be good guides from their experience with other people, but reflectors pick up a whole group. They do better in a group, not one-on-one. Mm. If we even go in, we can say the manifester is pretty much alien. They're in their own place. They're an issue. They're not really to connect to people. Generators are really, I call them the, the, the group people, the hens and the hen hops. They love being with each other. They love tapping in and you know, creating things together because they got so much energy. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the reflector is more aloof. Hmm. Now we're talking about when they're operating correctly, but we're all, all of us have been homogenized to think a certain way and you know believe a certain way and whatever. So human design is a shattering experience because ideally the goal is to say, oh, I've always known I was this thing, this person, but now I really have verification, so I'm really going to live my life now instead of apologizing for it. Right. Yes. I think there's something you said to me that was really, like, it really, really hit home. Um, And you had said something like, well, you know, based on everything, um, your evaluation, that I am here not to fight the old regime, I'm here to innovate mm-hmm. something completely new and help people perceive yeah. that it's possible that something else is possible, like not the same old, same old, black or white, this or that, you know, but really creating or, or you said it better than me, but, you know, and I really mm-hmm. resonated with that. I don't know if you recall that, but that was fantastic. It really was like, yes, I'm not here to fight. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, and this is, thank you for bringing that up, Karen, because some people are designed as fighters. They actually have that code on where they, they like to fight. And they have the energy. It's not going to debilitate them physically to fight. See, you're offering a different frequency. You're offering a different way for people to open up in a way that they can gain information outside of the five senses. Hmm. So fight, so, so some, if, they're, if some people are programmed in their human design to be the fighters, um, yes. I, the tendency, I guess, in our society is to say, well, we want peace. So we don't want people that are, their tendency is to fight. Like, what do you say to that? I would say the, the fighter is looking for purpose. And we always mm-hmm. need to have people who can fight for justices, to fight for things to be reformed. For example, you could say Dr. Peter Bregan, Harvard psychiatrist, he fought to say, look, drugging children or putting electro... Uh, you know, electrodes on people's children's brains and firing things, you know, this is detrimental. He was a fighter. He, he was designed as a fighter. You know, right, so, so some, people, we need those people. We can, like, somehow, people, you know, my, the misconception, I guess, I even myself have is like, well, to, to create peace on earth, we have to stop fighting. No. But, it, it, we're in the, the Bibers. We're, we're, we, if you look historically, there's always war and peace. They're part of, part of the binary. And what do they say? What was George Orwell? Perpetual war for peace. Perpetual peace. <laughs> mm. Well, so many of us are like, hey, unity consciousness. Unity consciousness. Heaven on earth is possible. So how can we manifest that if we continue fighting? Well, that's a great question. And it, it deals with changing your frequency. But there are many people that are not going to do that because they haven't evolved to that point. Now, human design is a reincarnational body of knowledge. And one thing in one of Ra's great classes, he talked about, he thought maybe 90% of the people on the planet, this was their first incarnation. 
So they're very young spirits. And so they can defend their territory. They can, um, you know, be fighters. But I think the context is, you know, fight for purpose and what's correct in life. And the way that um, I find the best fighters are people that are on their own personal journey for self-awareness and self-understanding. But you tell someone that who's a mother with three children and her children are starving, that's right. too esoteric. That's too esoteric. And, you know, looking at the world, there have always been injustices. There's always been people that have been greater or less than. And I would say the most important thing to bring that potential of peace is to educate the mothers in the world. Mm. Educate them. Let oh, them become, let them become teachers to their little Hermes, their little students. So, so children, children feel empowered when they can do something. Right. They're not, they're not to hurt people if they feel empowered and feel good about themselves. That's why the bottom line of human design is self-love, mm. and that love comes through self-acceptance and a way to experience the personal empowerment that you can achieve through living your design. Yes, I love that. Now, one of the questions, Barbara, that comes up is, you know, and, I, and, and I'm sure you know the answer <laughs> more than me, is, is people say, well, is, is human design like the gene keys? Like, are they similar? Are they based on the same thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, many people have, let's say, have that question. And uh, the gene keys originated from Richard Rudd's studying with Ra in the human design system. And he studied uh, and was a senior teacher for a while in human design. And then all of a sudden he did a switch. You know, he, he decided to do his own system. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the Gene Keys was a revelation or Richard has an, an ex- uh, a very gifted intellect. And when I look at his work and I was taking online some of his very first classes, bought the first Gene Keys book because he is an exceptional writer. Um, when I looked at Gene Keys, I knew right away it wasn't for me because it's too intellectual. Oh. And it says, okay, this is this, this is this. In other words, in, uh, let's say in, in life, there, is, there are those people that can hold concepts and get very um, uh, flower, flowerful, I guess you'd call that, um, very beautiful. Uh, it's almost like a flower blooming. There's the bud, they write something, and then it, it grows into this beautiful flower, and you say, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. But then what happens is that you think that your unfolding has to look like that. Okay, so okay. in the path of knowledge, let's say, yana yoga, you know, yoga goes into um, the different paths of yoga, and that the yana yoga is the path of the, uh, the, you could say, the path of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the self-realization. And then there's karma yoga, the path of action. And then you could say bhakti yoga, the path of loving devotion. The mm-hmm. human design in its simplicity is about making decisions because you could, be, you could be imprinted with a certain design. And Richard goes into the pearl sequence and the Venus sequence and all that. For me, if I were to take that in, it would take away from my personal development and my unique expression that I want to share with my clients. But that came from my own internal decision-making process. For some people, it's a saving grace. They love it. They love okay. it. Okay, and, and so what, is, what's his profile, the Gene Keys guy? I, be, I believe he's a cross of consciousness, and he's a 4-6. So he's going to set up a tribal situation where he can share his, his personal knowledge you know, with other people. And I find the frequency of human design and Ra's, Ra's, let's say, extrapolation of the knowledge versus Richard's interpretation, the frequencies are very different. Okay. Very different. So it's like, you well, know, we could read it and feel into, that's, of course, that's my words, but <laughs> like what, yes. what works for us. Exactly. Because, because each of us are so different. We have different ways of taking in information. Everyone's unique. And, you know, with Richard's work, it can really speak to people and give them, let's say, greater clarity on something that could really, you know, help them. But it wasn't for me. And okay. my, my concern with anything, because I did cult interventions, is people will often 
want to give their power away to someone who they feel is smarter, more articulate, you know, you know, received the revolution or whatever. I remember, I remember both Ra and Eckhart cautioned, say, do not ask the question, why not me? Right. You know, because many people say, I want this, I want this, why are you giving the revelation? And that's a dead-end road because it's going to torture you thinking that, that you're not of value or worth, and of course everybody is. Right, right. That's interesting about the cult interventions. Like, um, mm-hmm. we probably would, I don't know if you, do you still do that kind of work or not so much now? I, I do indirectly, yes. I have talked with parents who have children in cults, and I have spoken to people that have a tendency that want to give their power away to authority outside of themselves, and they cannot see the patterning. And the yeah. patterning over to abandon reason. Oh, well, it hasn't happened yet. They said it's going to happen. <clears throat> this is really what's going on. I say, show me the physical evidence. <laughs> well, I think we need another show on that, Barbara, so yeah. I'm not going to go down yeah. that rabbit hole, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like <laughs> some of the stuff happening in the world. And uh, yeah, I, I have this, um, you know, my, my, my feeling is I get really concerned when people like follow like some leader that has the answers, has the intel. And, um, you know, says this is going to happen, and then this is, and then this is going to, ha- and then they're like promising, well, you're going to have lots of money, you know, do this, exactly. this, this, and this, and then you'll be given the money, and yes, you have to use your own money right now, <laughs> right, to, to set these systems up, but it's going to come, you're going to have free healthcare, you're going to have free this, that, and everyone, like, who's involved, not that there's a lot of people, but they're all like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great, you know, but mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I just, I, you know, I did try, uh, you know, something like that for a while. And then I realized after a time that the leader uh, was not really focused on consciousness being the number one so-called way to freedom. And I thought, wait, wait a second, that, that doesn't align with my personal experience <laughs> and doesn't align with my values. So I, I kind of stepped away because I'm like, well, it keeps, everything keeps getting delayed. Everything, you know, doesn't show up the timing that you said it is. So I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, and, and to your point, they're business cults. They're psychotherapy cults. Wow. Um, that they can, and they're places where they'll revise your personal history. And it's always that dangling carrot that mm. you never, because the carrot keeps changing. <laughs> Okay, okay. We definitely have to have you back to talk about that, this, this cult thing. So, yeah, sorry for the guys that were listening in for the, for the uh, you know, kind of going sideways here. But uh, one of the things, um, Barbara, I wanted to ask you before we, we go, first of all, let's, let's make sure um, that everybody has your website. Um, so it is Human Design Consultations. So all one one, humandesignconsultations.com. And then you can mm-hmm. see there how you can contact Barbara and how to get a session with her and what's involved. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit ab- about that. Like, do people need to know their time of birth? Um, what's involved? If they get to work with you, what 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 to expect? It's it's really just their place of birth, uh, the like Little Rock, Arkansas. What time? Eight a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> what <clears throat> what date? <clears throat> that would be like October fifth, you know, in in nineteen forty two. And okay. with that we can align the chart to begin to understand exactly how they're programmed. Mm, okay. And then what if they, like me, don't know their time of birth and can't find out? Then there's a range. Like I'll say, check with your mom. Check with your dad. See if they had, were having lunch or dinner or afternoon. And we narrow it down. Mm. And I can usually look and say, okay, there's some things I can't speak to, but I can really speak to what's consistent in the 24 hours. And if they have a five-hour window, then I can look at that. There was only one time where I said to the person, I said, you know, within the time you've given me, it makes a radical difference. So you're going to have to go to a Vedic astrologer and have them reconstruct it because it was radical. It was changing the type. It was changing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sometimes it may be necessary to go to a Vedic astrologer, especially if they have no idea or it's really going to shift um, yes. your guidance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other question before we go on to ask is that, um, you know, uh, in some of the Egyptian systems, the healing systems that I've become more <coughs> aware of, uh, they talk about um, how 
that the 13-month calendar turned into a 12-month calendar, how the beginning of the year actually is supposed to start April 1st, not January 1st. Mm -hmm. and, and that has messed up our alignment with our 13 chakras and the dominant energy for the week. And that could mismatch us to who we really are and what our purpose is. So just curious if you're, you know, what your thoughts of uh, are, are that the 13 month versus 12 months and what you do. Mm -hmm. I know that there is a lot of discussion and disagreement on calendars. <clears throat> we have the Chinese New Year. We have uh, Human Design New Year that starts January 22nd. And I would say within any system that you're going to enter into to validate it or to experience it, you have to acknowledge the laws or the rules or the principles that it establishes as the foundation of its knowledge, of the body of knowledge. So if you're studying that, I would say, look, that could be true. Because understanding that there could be 13 months rather than 12 months, you say, okay, well, let me look at my life in terms of that system. Let me calculate my true, let's say, frequency based on that system and see if it works. I would test it and validate it. And again, if you're drawn to there's some some level of truth that can be very supportive to you. Mm, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Like somehow I was mm -hmm. drawn to that. So, you know, my mentor, yeah. my friend, you know, drawn to that and it's very interesting to me. So very well likely um, it may be relevant <laughs> for me. Personally. Yeah, and, and most of these, you know, the, the, the consciousness field, the universe is so vast. There's so many different, you know, sections like this in a country in the world you could go to a neighborhood in austin texas and as a real estate broker i'll tell you you could be like in a different country because these areas just within the city that that traverses four counties they're very different you move in you say "Ooh, the frequency is different here or even mm. go going to blocks and so if you view places as vibrations of consciousness Yes. Certain teaching, certain body of knowledge can resonate with something in you and it has information to unlock a deeper knowing or a deeper connection that you have. So I'm I'm all for people exploring what comes their way, but not putting that body of knowledge, that teacher above their own sovereignty. Yes. Yes, yeah. Great advice. Um is there mm -hmm. anything else you would like to share with our audience before we end for today? Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to share with you, I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you, Karen. I, I, I know your work. Um, I'm happy to participate with you in exploring human design and other modalities. And just sharing with everybody, it can be so helpful for you to know your design and how to make decisions because the world is moving toward tremendous change. And to be able to, you know, see the outcome of where we're going can help you along your journey. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Again, thank you so much, Barbara, for being on the show today. Absolutely loved every minute of it. And for everyone listening in, go to humandesignconsultations.com. Highly recommend getting a consult or more <laughs> with Barbara. I know my husband absolutely loved it as well. It really shifted his view and perception of his whole life. And, and not One. feeling bad about himself, you know, for things in the past um, or things that haven't happened yet. <laughs> um, yeah, so helpful. Um, so thank you, Barbara, very, very much. Thank you. Okay, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Lots of love and bye for now.